This week on the Cream of Flex, we introduce you to Peach's Sticky Fingers. Even on video dress for the job you want. And job ads are starting to show signs of hiring for skills and not pedigree. Plus, moving to structured interviews, we show you how. TRF with my dad and Shelly starts after this message from Van Hack. Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely. Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry. Well, hold on to your hat here because that's exactly what Van Hack has done. Shelly, picture this. A closed community of pre-verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true? Well, not anymore. Van Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process. And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams, listen up. Van Hack's introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and Van Hack handles all the nitty-gritty details of immigration and relocation. So can you imagine, Serge? The applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table. Shelly, every time I walk into an office, I get applause. But that's not all. (laughs) The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate, and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, Van Hack is leading the charge. Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out vanhack.com today. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, have you bought my Christmas gift yet? Oh, just you wait. Oh my God. I know you wait every year for what big fancy gift I'm going to get you. But this year tops them all. Shelly, I was kidding because now oh. it puts pressure on me to buy you something. You've so, never bought me a gift. What are you talking about? I, no, have I? I've yeah, never. we we you book lunch with me and then make me pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot my wallet. Yeah. You remember? You're never going to let me forget that never. one. It only happened once. Because <laughs> you always buy the girls, and I, I really it. appreciate it, and they love, love it, it as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you've ever bought anything I, for me. Excuse me? Did I not send you a five-day supply of cheese and salami? Yes, <laughs> which the girls loved. Uh, it was good. It the like, family for five days. It did. That was actually the best because the girls ate that every day for the week. It was like, it saved me so much time and doing lunch and everything. So I know. I know. it was great. <laughs> but how excited are you? We're getting really close to Christmas. You've I got know. your boys in town. Oh, so many Brooklyn big things. Yeah. Do you know, I know Chandler doesn't listen to the show, my son Chandler. 
But I do want to just send out a big congratulations. He defended his thesis on Monday, and it was on measurement performance of methane sensors. We were able to watch it on Zoom. And so we couldn't see him. We could see the screen. So you present to a panel of professors that were invited. They know your topic. And then the public can also attend. And then they do a closed door Q&A. So he's about 20 minutes in. And you remember what it's like when you're up on stage for Disrupt. You've rehearsed, but the smallest thing throws you off and you can stumble the rest of the time. 20 minutes in, we hear this knock on the door. Somebody walks in and asks, we can't exactly hear what the guy's saying, but I thought maybe it was a student who got lost and stumbled into this room. And Chandler just goes, yep, yep, you've got the right room. Come on in, have a seat. Picks up like this, search. And he's right back at it. There's something to be said about doing stand-up comedy. Yes. And I knew it in that moment that all of his years of doing stand-up comedy and hecklers trying to throw you off because comedians also have a script that they follow and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It did come in useful because he just picked right back up, man. And it was 30 minutes of material that he presented. Mm. I can only assume being a stand-up comedian, especially with hecklers, just the interruption, you become very quick-witted and take advantage of it and you know how to respond to it. I respect anyone that can go on stage and be a stand-up comedian because I think it's probably one of the hardest things to do in the world. Hmm. But imagine all that training definitely helped him with his thesis, performance of methane sensors. What is that? Like they're measuring like uh, cow's farts? Is that? (laughs) Downwind. (laughs) It's exactly right. Is it? Methane is a poisonous gas that gets emitted from oil and gas production. And there's two types of sensors. And so he did one versus the other. Is there a difference? And controlled tests and outdoors. And why don't oil producers use both types of sensors? Because they they each have their merit, right? So that's what it was about. Did I understand it? No. But I get the (laughs) gist of it, basically. Big congrats to Chandler. So now he's done school? He is. He is officially done. He's been working on this for two months, nonstop, just rehearsing and preparing. Does he have a job lined up now? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yes, I know. He's got a J-O-B. And I got Parker flying in. Wednesday, which today, this afternoon. So your boys in Brooklyn, everyone together. Yes. Yes. Now, I know you're not a big drinker, but Serge, do you have any idea what 600 bucks worth of booze looks like? It depends. (laughs) It depends. It could be one bottle. A lot of bottles. Listen, it's going to be a party at mom's house for sure. Okay. Well... (laughs) I wanted to ask you, so we have a local news lady, Leslie Horton, who's on Global News, and we love her because she's so funny, but wanted to bring up an incident that happened. I've seen this on Twitter quite a bit. A lot of news people get some troll comments, right? Especially women, seen it with a couple of other Calgary newscasters. But Leslie Horton got an email, and usually they don't respond to it. But basically, this email troll said she's wearing old bus driver pants and asking her if she was pregnant. 
Her response was completely spontaneous as she's doing the wetter, explaining that she is not pregnant. In fact, she lost her uterus to cancer last year. And this is what the body of a woman her age looks like. Good for her. Let's stop trolling people on what they look like. It's so hard to be on TV. We all have Mm -hmm. different body type style. Like she's very attractive lady. I'm glad she pushed back. You know, what's even more hurtful, I don't watch that regularly, but Leslie Horton, she's been doing global news for, gosh, it's got to be 10 years, if not longer. Yeah, it's been So she was really openly talking about her endometrial cancer diagnosis back in 2021. So it's even more offensive that someone would say, are you pregnant? It's beyond body shaming, but I loved her response. She was just very matter of fact, if you find this offensive, that is unfortunate. And she does it in such a very clear, slow and intentional. Boy, it was quite powerful. Leslie has become world famous with news bloopers because last year during Christmas, (laughs) there was a video that came out that the anchors were talking about elf names. And she was on site somewhere and she came in and they gave her a name and it was like Cookie Fingers or something like that. And she heard Peach's Sticky Fingers and she's like, what is that? My porn name or my stripper name? stripper name. And then the anchors just lost it, just oh, laughing. I know. I know. And then she's like, everything's all right. Everything's all right. Was, do check out Leslie Horton Pe- or just Google Peach's Sticky Fingers and you will laugh like you've never laughed before. So I know. And it's because she, it's generally unrehearsed and she's just unapologetic. This is who I am. Yeah. Shelly, are we ready to jump into the news? Let's, let's go. Let's start with. The third round of cuts at Spotify. In January this year, they slashed 6% of jobs, which was bringing its workforce down to 9,200 people. Then just four months later, they cut again another couple hundred employees. And now they are reducing once again. I believe in all said and done, they've had 1,500 employees that they have let go. And again, it's the same sort of rhetoric where it's like efficiencies, even though, is it financial? I don't know, because they, their shares have actually risen 7.5% to 194.26 on Monday morning's trading. So how does this compute? All the job cuts. Wow. Yeah, there has been a lot of job cuts, three rounds of layoff in one year. And if you think about Spotify, you think of them as successful. A lot of people, that's their main music player. And we see it in our podcast downloads after Apple is definitely the biggest one. I think it's a couple of things, Shelly. I think for one is they did like everyone during the pandemic, they hired like crazy thinking that the growth was just not going to stop. And if they put more money to it and hired more people, they were going to be able to grow really quickly. But there's a couple of things that have happened. Obviously, the big shift in the economy and you're seeing all these tech companies. And on that note, like even last month, there was 250,000 people that got laid off in the tech industry in the U.S., 
if you take that as like the overall workforce, it's a very minute number, but it's still a really big number in that particular space. It's a lot of people getting laid off even to this day. They invested over a billion dollars on the podcast division. And a big portion of that was Joe Rogan, which was probably their best acquisition. All the other ones that they acquired, which was like Meghan Markle, just absolutely horrible to listen to some and of these podcasts. it didn't podcasts last either. No, it didn't last because it was bad, right? No, it fizzled. Yeah. Joe Rogan was a good move. Joe Rogan is by far the biggest podcaster in our industry, like him or hate him. There's no one that draws an audience like he does. But I was just trying to figure out like what is going on because you think they're successful. Like I have Spotify, I have two accounts of Spotify, but it's not a really sustainable business model in any way, right? Like the majority of the money is going to record companies. The artists, unless you are Taylor Swift, are seeing like small percentage of this revenue. Either they're going to have to start charging a lot more, which they charge around $10 right now, or a big shift in their whole business model. I think they thought that podcast, because it's a Mm -hmm. lot cheaper to pay for good podcast content compared to music that would really drive it. But they laid off most people in their podcasting division. I just think it's a bad business model. Something's going to change there. Yeah, you know, it's curious because we look at how Apple owns a little piece of everything. That Mm. seems to be a much better recipe is to have a podcast platform, music platform, but not put all your eggs in one basket. It sounds to me like that's probably what they may have decided to do here. Yeah. I hate seeing layoffs close to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Isn't There's been a lot of layoffs. Maybe it's just because we're very hyper aware to it. But in the last, like, even start of December, I've been seeing a bunch of layoffs. And I'm like, who lays off in December, I guess? Every year. Every yeah. year. Do you know, I believe if you go a layer deeper chances are their performance bonuses are based on financial performance. Could be. Right? Not, are you a good leader? Did people stay? Do you have a high performing team? No, it's bottom line. And it drives really strange behavior and decisions like this. I agree. So I want to jump into the next news segment. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed a whole lot of this, but I saw a recent article or actually came out yesterday here locally talking about job scams skyrocketing in 2023. And Mm -hmm. there was some personal experience and stories of people that have gone through getting job offers by email or text message. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that they're seeing across the board is they're asking for the blank check or that type of information. There is so many different scams in our space. We've seen it. uh, People in different countries have hijacked that company name, the person name that actually works there and sending job offers after doing a couple of interviews and asking for money in some type. But just for everyone to be aware as you're dealing with your job seekers, I think you have to be as clear as possible, not saying this is not a scam, but job seekers are going to be a little bit wary because this is happening across the board. And they saw like a 40% increase in job scams in 2023 here in Canada. 40% is a pretty big number. So Shelly, I know you've come across this Mm -hmm. quite a bit. You're not a job seeker, but you've been getting these type of approaches. Just this weekend, I had four 
on text message and two came through WhatsApp. And I've never had that many before. What was interesting though, is they were posing as if they were temporary staffing. Okay. One of them said that they were from Manpower. And that's the freaky thing is it's not that hard to scrape somebody's logo. But the first thing I thought was, obviously, what are you, crazy? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> so, obviously. <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> obviously, yes. Who doesn't know who Shelly is? Jeez. No, I, no, what I mean by that is, first of all, I didn't apply to any job. And in what world would I want a temp job with manpower? So it's a numbers game. They've got auto dialers that are spitting these things out. However, if you are someone, especially right now, and if somebody sent you a note saying, hey, are you interested in a part-time job? And manpower temporary services, that's what they do is they interview you first. And then if you pass or whatever, they'll put you out to their clients. So it wouldn't be that unusual. I don't think people are getting suckered in. It's just these scams are so close to what would normally happen. But never would manpower reach out to you. First, ask yourself, did I apply for anything? And if you didn't, then chances are it's a scam. The other factor too, I I completely agree. I think it's a numbers game, but... If you are a very active job seeker, you're probably putting your resume in Indeed. You oh, have fair enough, open, yeah. you hire on LinkedIn. Yeah. You have your resume on Career yeah. Beacon. You have fair it uh, everywhere across the board. Mm-hmm. And when you get these messages, your first instinct is, oh, they must have gotten my resume on Indeed and they're reaching out to me. So I can see how confusing it is. And just... The one thing for job seekers, and I know there's not a lot of job seekers listening, is if anyone is asking for your banking information to facilitate payment and you've never met them, you haven't gone through the interview, just don't do it. Just don't do it. And for companies, this is what's happening with job seekers. So let's just make sure we're giving them the information they need and we're, mm-hmm. we're pretty thorough in our process. This article did also go on to say, search. I mean, I experienced like I've never experienced, but a 250% increase over this same time last year. Mm. Like we've always had job scams, but not to this magnitude. Oh, sorry. It is 250. I yeah. saw 40%. Oh. That is, is quite a number. It's prevalent. Yes. So Shelly, do you want to jump into the tip of the week? Yes. Your tip of the week is brought to you by Plum. Plum knows that when people flourish, businesses thrive. Using science-backed insights, Plum aligns human potential with job needs, allowing you to build high-performing teams from a single platform, ideal for improving hiring choices, identifying future leaders, and offering personalized career advice. Plum supports the entire employee journey from hire to retire. Discover more at Plum.io. So my tip of the week is this. I have long subscribed to the idea that you should always dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. Career success does come with a level of confidence. And confidence is your appearance. And I'm not saying you have to go out and go to great extremes, investing thousands of dollars, but taking care of how you appear does matter. 
If you've ever interviewed someone who obviously forgot to put a shirt on for the interview, like on Zoom, right? This is what I'm talking about, Zoom. Like people got a little, I guess, haphazard with how they dress during the pandemic. But if you are coming to an interview, it's not old fashioned. It is really good advice. Dress for the role that you want. And as recruiters, uh, I would challenge anybody who does face-to-face interviewing that it doesn't somehow affect your impression of the person if somebody shows up inappropriately dressed for the job that they're being interviewed for. So that is my tip of the week. You are more likely to land that next job if you dress for it. Yes, I've always thought it's a good tip. I've never shown up in an interview without a shirt on. That would be very distracting for all the ladies out there. Can't do that. But there's a couple of things, right? I agree with you that during the <laughs> pandemic, we've went way the other side. But does it depend on the type of role, Shelly? So if I'm interviewing, say, a driver and he shows up in his work boot and jeans, I'm okay with that. Of course. If I'm interviewing someone in tech, at least that they put themselves a little bit together, not like a crusty old t-shirt. What I'm saying is you don't need to wear a suit exactly. for every role. Yeah. But people's perception, either you like it or not, you're 100% right. If you show up and you look like shit, they're going to think that you work like shit. And it's not even a bias. It's a truth. If you could not be bothered, it is an indication. I don't think it'll ever go out of style. I think it's one of the best pieces of advice is to dress for the job that you want. And if you're a truck driver, then dress like a truck driver. That's the whole point. Let's jump into the recruitment insights. And the recruitment insights okay. are brought to you by Matova. Shelly, are you tired of the same old outsourcing woes? Well, say hello to nearshoring. It's like outsourcing, but closer, and it won't make you pull your hair out. Picture this, top-notch IT talent from Latin America. Many Latin American IT professionals have strong English language skills and even live in the same time zone, so no more midnight conference calls. Hallelujah. Plus, Latin America's growing tech ecosystem, strong educational institutions, and a pool of skilled IT professionals make it the perfect region for recruiting talent. I have the perfect company that does this. The company's name is Metova. They have local experts who handle everything from recruiting to HR support. So why settle for the same old outsourcing blues when you can have the nearshoring party with Metova? Look them up at mitova.com and let's get the fiesta started. All right, Shelly, how about you okay. start this off? So this year has been the year of AI. And AI training is in demand. Some of the bigger tech firms, they really do have that obligation to offer training and free training. Google, Amazon, web services, they're the ones that are looking for AI skilled individuals, but they also are providing free training. Amazon unveiled AI ready initiatives to provide 2 million individuals with free AI education by the year 2025. And IBM also announced a commitment to provide AI training to 2 million people through 2026. 
with special attention to underrepresented communities. So AI training is for being a developer, not an end user. Yes. So a couple of things there. And I think it's really smart from these organizations that are doing this training because this is the type of talent that they're going to need. Aside from the IBMs and the Amazon Web Service and Google offering all these courses, there is a lot of other organizations that are offering for the end user, right? Like, we're not going to be software developers, me and you, Shelly. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, true. But I think we're going to leverage AI in everything we do in our jobs to our day to day functions. So, having a deep understanding of simple things like, what prompts? Like there's whole lists of prompts that work in different ways that you can go and find on the internet and test it to get better results. There's a lot of people that are researching this really in-depthly and are coming to the table with basically this is how you do it at no cost. For us as recruiters, we have to be on top of it because you'll see in my prediction show that's coming up. AI is a very big piece of where recruiting is going. And it's going to be not three years from now. It's happening now. And next year, it's going to be even bigger. I really don't think we're putting this genie back in the bottle. It's Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. So leveraging any type of training that you can get is great. And for these organizations, they're basically building their next talent workforce. Yeah. I'm thinking my mind. Why don't more organizations offer this free type of training? Free training is actually a great recruiting tool. It absolutely is. And I guess that was the whole point is when you are the size of an IBM, a Google, Amazon Web Services, it is self-serving, but it is for the greater good because not all 2 million people are going to go work for them. What you've done is you've educated for others. In my opinion, education is a gift and that gift, giving it to 2 million people, not expecting that they're going to come back and work for them. There's a high likelihood that they would apply, but they will take their skills elsewhere in the world and the community is much better off for it. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. I think we will see a lot more of this. And I love what Google is doing specifically because I've been looking at the different type of training. They're doing a specific training on cybersecurity. Well, mm-hmm. great, because we need more people and there is definitely a lack or there's a gap, even though mm-hmm. our, our guy in Nashville is the exception. Mm-hmm. Why not offer training in these really specific skill set that we're going to need a ton of? So, Shelly, I want to jump into the next recruiting insight. Okay. And one of the things that we're seeing, I don't know, on LinkedIn, and maybe we're hyper aware as well, because we see all these articles. What are the trends for 2024 in recruitment and talent acquisition and HR? And I'll say most of it is just blah, blah, blah. Like it's the same mm-hmm. thing, just regurgitated. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> We're gonna, you and Leslie Horton should <laughs> What did that sound like? But you know what I mean, all right? Let me just keep moving forward here, Peaches. Take your fingers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so very much similar to what we're seeing across the board. That's the word I should have used, similar instead mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. But 
So there's a recent article that came out and it's with HGH Wilson, which is a large RPO firm. And I'm not going to talk about what they think of the trends or 2024, but there's one thing that really (laughs) stood out to me. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the conferences and everything we went through this year, AI was number one and skill-based hiring was probably number two of the things that we've heard. And Mm -hmm. this is where it gets really confusing for me because I'm like, can you explain to me what skill-based hiring is? Like, how do you do it? What does it look like? And I was reading this part of the article and I thought it was really interesting because it gave me a different perception on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So what they say is the number of job postings in the U.S. that did not mention qualifications such as academic degrees, certifications, or licensure has increased steadily over the past year. According to labor market intelligence from Claro, the percentage reached 41.6% in September, up from 37% in November 2022. And I am noticed this working for a job board as well, that there is way less degrees demanded. They just want to know this is the skill set we need. Have you done it? Can you prove that you can do it? That is what we're looking for. First of all, we need bigger talent pools. So limiting ourselves to people that have four years, six years, eight years degree in art compared to someone that's been doing that particular role, maybe at a lower level in a different organization is the skill set we need. I do think we're going to see that 41% inch really close to 50% next year. We're going to start seeing a lot less jobs with university degrees or anything like that is listed. Not saying that it's going to be a hindrance to get hired, but it's going to be less important. If you have a degree and you have the skill set, you've got an advantage. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts here? So I, I agree. I think of all the predictions of what is trending for 2024 in talent acquisition is focusing on skills-based. And do you know what, Serge, the sad part of of this is, is I would say 80% of job postings are just so poorly written. So to think that maybe this will be the spark that ignites, finally putting some effort into writing great job descriptions, because traditionally, you're going to fall back on your credentials, must have a university degree, and then list of qualifications, nothing specific or no priority. And it's just the lather, rinse, repeat of the same old traditional job posting versus skills-based. Distinguish the skills that you need, again, between what is actually required to do the work and what is a preferred skill. So the language is a little bit different, not to be confused with the difference between soft skills or communication skills. That's expected in all, but what skills do you need to to do this job? For example, how complex is the work? Meaning if you're having to solve things that have never been solved before, it doesn't matter what you do, if you're an accountant or if you're a software developer, but being able to call for and describe how complex the problems are that you're solving, then you know how to describe what sort of skills somebody would need to have to solve those problems. Is that making sense? 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I think this is where it's going to get interesting because the conversations that we've heard about skill-based hiring is let's ditch the resume and let's do some type of assessment, usually soft skill base. And there is obviously hard skills like hiring branch is a perfect example of their focus on the hard skills. But I don't think the resume is going to go anywhere. Mm. Hence the reason that I do think that you've got to become really good at listing those skills and hard skills on your resume. And the second part of it is for recruiters, we got to get better at either testing these skills or knowing the questions to be able to ask in an interview to see if they really have that deep understanding of that particular skill, which is still a very big gap. And this is a perfect segue into Mm -hmm. our next topic, Shelly. Do you want to jump in? Absolutely. The structured interview. I kept thinking, what is different about a structured interview? Because that's the other thing that is trending, is this big emphasis on, on how you interview. And is there really anything new out there? Quite honestly, if you're going to be posting and hiring and filling roles based on someone's skills, you'd better up your game on how you interview. So structured interview in its simplest terms just means that you have a set of questions that you ask every candidate that you interview for a certain role. Structured interviews just ensures that you're asking a question that is specifically reflected on the skills you're asking for. So if you're asking for someone to have very good financial acumen, what would you ask them in a structured interview? And any candidate being considered for the role is asked the same question because you have determined that the skill of business acumen or maybe financial acumen that you know how to read a balance sheet, you understand profit and loss. And how does that play into the role that we're interviewing you for? The structured interviews are also better for candidates, in my opinion, because they're being evaluated on their skills, not their ability to interview, (laughs) which is my biggest beef with behavioral descriptive interviewing. What we have ended up doing is we interview people to see how well they interview. (laughs) It's absurd. I hate it. So love, love the structured interview. Absolutely. We see it in many organizations where everyone has their pet questions, depending on the hiring manager, depending on the person. And sometimes it it goes sideways, right? For whatever reason, person comes in and it's just a natural fit personality wise and definitely bias starts creeping in, especially if you're not judging the candidates on the same questions, you're opening yourself up to bias across the board. And honestly, you're opening up yourself in liability as well. There is a lot to be said of someone can come back and being like, well, it wasn't fair. It was based on my race, gender, whatever the case is. and If you can prove that you ask the same questions and the answers you were looking for, I think that makes a big difference because I'll tell you, there's no one more biased than humans. This is why I am not afraid of bias with AI. I am not concerned because I think AI will be way less biased than we are. But Shelly, a structured interview can mean a whole lot, right? And the context we're saying here is same questions to everyone. 
But if you've never created a structured interview guide as a recruiter, because most of the time as a recruiter you're coming in, the interview guides are set. Mm -hmm. They maybe were done 10 years ago, or it's like whatever the hiring manager wants to ask. How would you approach of creating that structure of structured interviews? This is my power, Allie. I love doing this. I know, Serge, you're cringing. (laughs) Like, I'm so weird this way. I love interviewing. I never get tired of it. And that's why we chose these two recruiting insights back to back, right? Because if you understand, first of all, you've got a great job description, you understand the skills, and then creating a structured interview guide is easy. But if you don't have it anchored into a good description of the skill you're looking for, then you are spinning your wheels. You really are. You're never going to get anywhere versus you've got to start with the start. And that is get absolute clarity on what skills and deciding what do you need to hear somebody talk about. It's real easy for, and I learned this, I did years, like a good 20 years of interviewing engineers. And the trick is this, don't ever let them talk without you in the room. Because they could talk for hours, shop talk. It's like they've got their own little language, like twin language, (laughs) like only they understand it. And it does not mean that person can do the work. It means they can talk about it. So I would always make sure that I had the hiring manager tell me, what does this person need to have, say, and do? And what's the answer I'm looking for? And most hiring leaders loved it. They loved explaining what I should be listening for. Save them a ton of time and hiring mistakes. I'm curious on your end. So say you were a new talent acquisition manager coming into an organization, director, VP, whatever it is, how high on the list is creating structured interview or a new interview process compared to, say, recruitment, marketing, employment, brand, all the other aspects that Mm. we work in the talent acquisition department? Where would it rank to you, Shelley? Great question, Serge. I feel like I'm being interviewed by you, but, you know, I kind of like it. You like being told. <laughs> no, I like really? being interviewed. Yeah. So I would put it high on the list. And here's why. You can spend a ton of money on advertising, bringing in candidates, attracting candidates. But if you don't have a good understanding of how to interview and select, it's going to be a constant churn. As a new leader within an organization, it is something that would have to be on your radar in the first six months, I would think. Certainly within the first year is understanding where is the bucket leaking. Yeah, I agree with you. And like to be completely frank, in my experience, it's been way down the list when I've come into organizations because it's the least interesting to me, even though it's probably Mm. the most impactful in a lot of ways. And this is something, if I ever lead a talent acquisition department, it's one of the things that I'm going to be putting on top of the list. Interviewing because selection and having the right person in place and understanding internally how to choose the right candidate is absolutely critical. The second thing I would have on that list that probably would not have been on the list like three years ago is onboarding. So Mm. 
get the right oh, person yeah. in the door <laughs> and get them happy when they come into the door. And I think you've got a way better experience. So on that note, Shelly, a couple of things. This is our last Friday episode of mm-hmm. the year in the normal content. We will have our prediction show, just me and you this year, Shelly, going through our predictions next Friday. Then we've got a bunch of other shows. It's going to be a little bit of a mixed match until the start of January. So Shelly, thank you for doing this again with me this year. And for everyone listening, we really appreciate it. And that goes to our sponsors, Matova, Plum, Van Hack, and Rectex. Thank you, guys. And for people listening, please check out our sponsors because we need them. Great. Thank you, Serge. It has been a fantastic year. I appreciate you. I appreciate all the work that you do. Merci beaucoup. And au revoir. Shelly, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.